0: Your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Barnes, Lizzie Haynes, and Russell Guest. Coming now to
1: Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable, the podcast where we watch movies and then talk about them. I am your host, Chad Robinson. Russell wrote Lizzie Haynes. I am not Ron Burgundy, but I do have Lizzie Haynes with me. She's my good friend and co-host. It says, Chad Robinson, Russell, what are you doing to me? Lizzie, not Chad. How are you today?
0: I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about today's movie, and I'm excited to talk about it with our special guest.
1: Yes, Back once again, quickly becoming my favorite guest due to the movies you shortlist, Leah Weissman from Louisville, Kentucky. Leah, how are you?
2: I'm wonderful. Thanks, Chad.
1: Yes, I am. I am very excited for the movie today. I'm not going to spoil it too much, but I will give our warm up question that might give you a hint. So today's movie is a child storybook told on film, much like our episode of Shrek, where you can also check out Leah and Lizzie. It was a great episode. What is a children's book adapted to film that you love? We'll start with you, Leah.
2: You already said Shrek, so I'm not allowed to say that.
1: You can say Shrek. Shrek's <laughs> awesome.
2: Lizzie?
0: I will say Chronicles of Narnia. That is hands down my favorite. I love the movies and I love the book even more. We read it every Christmas.
1: Oh, wow.
2: I didn't say Harry Potter because I know who I'm talking to
1: that's fine I, I have no issues with people that like Harry Potter I just I was on the wrong side of that divide 1984's we just did not get on board 1985's were like all in so it's just a weird weird cultural divide but hey Harry Potter good I'm glad people like things Uh, <laughs> with, with me I watch it's not a direct adaptation but Jack Black's Goosebumps it's better than it should be I watched I it with my with daughter. It, it was a lot of fun. That's a deep cut. That
0: is. I love anything with Jack Black in it. And I goosebumps were my childhood. So that's a great choice.
1: He is tearing it up on the Billboard charts right now with uh, the f- song from the Mario movie, The yeah. Peaches. Peaches. <laughs> so we, we did see that. That was a good time. Uh, my daughter loved that. That was not the last movie I saw in theater. I will kick this to you all. What's the last movie you watched, Leah?
2: I did not come prepared with that because have you guys watched The Last of Us? Yes. I just watched the episode with Nick Offerman in it and it's haunting me and I cannot (laughs) think about anything else. So, Chad, I don't know if you've seen that show or not. I'm familiar, yes. Yes. But I, so if anybody wants to unpack that with me later, I would, I would appreciate it (laughs) because it was like so good and so haunting of an episode, like a bottle episode. Like it was crazy good. So, anyway. That's on my mind. It it's been a time. while since I've been to the movies.
0: Right, clickers. Proud of who that was? We were like, "Who is that guy? Why do?" Because he's got such a big fluffy beard. Yeah. And so it. Finally clicked a little farther through.
1: Lizzie, what was the last movie that you saw?
0: So the last movie that I saw was two nights ago. My husband and I are in bed scrolling, kind of doing the "Let's just pick something that we've seen." That way we can just fall asleep. And uh, we picked not another teen movie. <laughs>
1: Ooh, wow. You know what? That one's better than it has any right to be, too.
0: I completely agree with you. We were like, neither one of With the intent was to pick a movie that would make us fall asleep. We stayed up for the whole thing. We're like rolling around, just laughing so hard. And it's hilarious. But then you're watching it and you're like, this is baby Captain America. And then he goes yes. on to have this humongous career. But just to watch him in the start is Jake Weiler. It's, oh, my gosh. it's That's a raunchy comedy that holds up for me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that uh, banana scene has not haunted him in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. So, I do love that movie. What's a yes. song with Janie in it? And then they sing yes. Janie's got a gun. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah, I I would stay up for that. Uh, all those other, not another, like they get grouped in. It's, I that one's good. All the other ones are pretty, pretty terrible.
0: I, I uh, would agree with that. The scary movies, and then that one, I feel like were the only ones that really had any merit.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. The one is a disaster movie and all that stuff. I I actually went to theaters. I saw Evil Dead Rise and. It's intense. It is very, very intense. It's very gory. If you saw the the most recent Evil Dead in 2013, there's a lot of gore in that one too. I, it's what you would expect. I had a good time. It's my favorite horror movie of the year, but if children are a, like children being attacked by monsters is not your thing. this is not your movie because the, these kids have a hard life. So
0: yeah. <laughs> I appreciate Evil Dead. I respect it as a franchise, but it is not for me. I do not do gore. It's just it's too hard to get through. <laughs> Watching someone just mutilate themselves. I cannot do it. I, yeah, I don't love it either.
1: That is Evil Dead's thing. Someone has mm-hmm. to get mutilated and it happens a couple of times. So yeah. Yeah. If it's not your thing, this this movie will not change your mind. So <laughs>
2: It is what it is. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. But a movie that everyone should be on board with. Leah, this was this was one of your short lists. This is the first time it came up. We just, we pounced on it. Lizzie, can you tell us what movie we're going to cover today?
0: Yes. We are going to do 1987's The Princess Bride.
1: First time. Shame on all the guests prior to this point. Right, this is I cannot
0: <laughs> believe it.
1: Two hundred some episodes. It has not been shortlisted. But anyways, it, it stars Carrie Ellis, Mandy Patinkin, Chris Sarandon, Christopher Guest, Wallace Shawn, Andre the Giant, Fred Savage, and Robin Wright. It has a budget of sixteen million. It's released in nineteen eighty seven. It grosses about thirty million dollars domestically. That's good enough to place it at forty one. A movie that placed right ahead of it is Nuts. I have no idea. movie that placed right behind it was Revenge of the Nerds 2. This carries an IMDb rating of 8.0. The critics love this movie, 98%. Audience score right up there at 94%. It does win or as an Academy Award nomination for Best Original Song, Storybook Love, which is performed by Willie DeVille and produced by Mark Knopfler. Uh, AFI Distinctions, it is on the 100 Passions list at number 88. It is nominated for Top Movie Quotes for, Hello, my name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. And... Mm-hmm. it is top 10 on fantasy films it's nominated did not make it on afi so a lot of nominations actually it doesn't seem like they know what to do is their passion is it a fantasy we'll get into that and then to round it off we have a hundred laughs again nominated but not making the cut so it's always the princess bridesmaid never the princess bride <laughs> It does get the 84th best screenplay of all time from the Writers Guild of America. This was not a major box office success. It becomes a cult classic once it hits home video. For the kids at home that don't know, we used to have to go to a store and look at box art and then rent based on the box art. So yeah, there was no previews, anything. We just said, okay,
2: this is... All right, as it. a blockbuster. We're popping.
1: Absolutely. Me. Hollywood video for our family. We didn't... No blockbusters in West Virginia for a while. Uh, Leah, we'll start with you. This was on your short list. Had you seen this movie before?
2: I literally could not count how many times I've seen this movie. Um, This is one of my dad's favorites, so he raised me correctly um, on this film. So, yes, I have definitely seen this film many times. And I read the book.
1: I'm one of those people. Nice, nice. (laughs) Is it better than the book?
2: I... No, the book's really, really good. I highly recommend it. Um, But the guy who wrote the book wrote the screenplay, and he did an incredibly elegant job of streamlining some of the story. And I don't think he sacrificed anything. So it was really good. If you just want to live more in the Princess Bride world and hear more backstories on all the characters, the book is a great option for you.
1: Excellent. So did you like this movie when your dad first showed it to you? And do you think it holds up?
2: It gave me nightmares. Um, the rous were really scary <laughs> when I was little. That And we watched Willow a lot when I was a kid. And there was stuff in that that gave me nightmares, too. So okay. um, I watched it a lot. I don't even know that I realized I had a choice whether or not I could watch it. It just, it was. It was.
1: Yeah.
2: Dad put it on. I watched it. So right. it's just a part of the fiber of my being. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but I guess you don't we didn't really have a choice. It was just like you're you're doing this or nothing. There's no Netflix, Disney Plus, whatever. There are no alternatives.
2: We had like it's three, three tapes. tapes. That was one of them. That's yes. Free Willy, which we watched every day. Free Willy. I mean
1: <laughs> great song. I haven't rewatched the movie, but it's a great song.
2: Well, let's put it on our list. <laughs> oh no.
1: No thank you. Airbud first. <laughs> Lizzie, had you seen The Princess Bride?
0: I had. So I was a late bloomer with Princess Bride though. So I hadn't even heard of the movie until I was in college, which feels really crazy looking back now because I know more people who are more in Leah's camp where it was like their childhood movie that they grew up watching. My college roommate, it was like, we decided to stay in order in and she got to pick the movie and she had on DVD which also young children it's like a cd rom <laughs> thing which i understand you don't know what that is either it's like a disk that you put inside
2: a physical copy of, a of the machine. movie yeah. right
0: we watched the movie um and she had it and i just gave it a shot and really really fell in love because i loved i loved fantasy stories labyrinth was always a really big movie for me growing up so this had kind of the same almost the same undertones and the same feelings where it's just like really mythical and magical, but also somehow campy. And I just, I really fell in love with it as a movie. I think it absolutely holds up. I hope they never remake it because it's perfect as is, but it does absolutely hold up.
1: They keep trying. The entire cast has rebelled, but they keep trying. They're going to do it one day and it's going to be terrible.
2: (laughs) I have a whole Uh, recasting plan for you.
1: Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> uh, I'm intrigued, though. Uh, I I have seen this movie as well. I got to it pretty late. Of all weird circumstances, our youth pastor had a bunch of guys over to his house, who he then said, "I'm going to make you watch The Princess Bride."
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's and a it's yeah, it's
1: very reminiscent of a scene in this movie where the grandson is like is there kissing in this? None of us were excited. I think it was 13 or 14 and he just kind of said, yes, shut up. And (laughs) you're watching this. So I was blown away. I really loved it. I don't know. We were teenage boys, so not a ton of us were talking about how passionate or how happy we were of seeing this movie at the time. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's something that I'll revisit pretty frequently. Love the movie. I think it holds up really well. I I see 1987. I keep thinking the movie is newer than that. It just it kind of seems timeless. Some of it's helped by the historical setting. So I enjoyed it the first time. I enjoy it every time I watch it. It's just a charming movie. Just oozes charm. If you, however, are in that camp of anyone that has not seen The Princess Bride, just turn us off go go rent the video amazon wherever itunes just purchase it you will thank us later and we that way we're not spoiling a wonderful movie for you because after this ad break lizzie is going to spoil the princess bride we'll be right back welcome to the all 80s movies podcast i'm bill Last warning before we spoil The Princess Bride, if you haven't seen it since 1987, please go watch it. Lizzie, can you break down what happens for us?
0: Yes. So Buttercup is a beautiful young woman living in a small farmland in the land of Florin. Buttercup has fallen in love with the farm boy, Wesley, and it is real, true love. Wesley sails off to find his fortune, leaving Buttercup behind, but with the promise that he will return. Five years pass, and Buttercup is now engaged to the charmless Prince Humberdink. While on a morning ride, Buttercup is abducted by three bandits, a Sicilian, a giant from Greenland, and a Spanish fencing master, Inigo Montoya. While running off with Buttercup, they're ambushed by the dreadful pirate Roberts, of whom is said to have killed Wesley while at sea. Roberts fights Inigo Montoya, manages to get past the giant, and outsmarts the Sicilian. Roberts now has Buttercup to himself and tests her loyalty to her love. It's then that she discovers Roberts is, in fact, Wesley. The two embrace and decide to run away together, along with their new friends, the Giant and Inigo, who himself is on a journey to avenge his father. They barely make it through the fire swamp when they meet Prince Humberdink. Buttercup trades her freedom in exchange for Wesley's safety and Humperdinck agrees. And the two plan their wedding along with his evil plot to start a war in the neighboring land. As their Royal nuptials approach, Wesley manages to break into the castle and whisk Buttercup away. While in the castle, Inigo Montoya runs into the very man he's been searching for that killed his father per the identification of his unique hand with six fingers. Montoya successfully avenges his father and Buttercup is reunited with Wesley, her true love.
1: Very nice, very nice. So we talked about this is a children's book and it took a while to adapt. Uh, The author, William Goldman, he'd been trying to get this film made since the 70s and he wanted a lot of control. He wanted to make sure this was done right And he initially got this idea from his two children. One wanted, he said, hey, what kind of book do you want? And one of the daughters said, I want a book about a princess. And the other said, I want a book about a bride. So he puts them together and makes the princess bride. And as we see this story unfold, it's actually read to us by the grandfather character. He's reading to his sick grandson. Do you guys like the narration part of this movie and do you like having the the action and other things interrupted by the grandfather and the grandson interacting?
2: Yeah, the the way the book is written, it's not really a kids' book. It is young adult plus at best. So just setting expectations. If you want to pick it up, it's not going to be like a oh, once upon a time they kiss the end kind of thing. It's it's a long <laughs> book. Um, the way the book is written is William Goldman is pretending like he's abridging this large story written by somebody S Morgan Stern. And so the way William Goldman writes the book is he has the, he abridges it shortened. He puts author's notes in. I mean, he wrote the whole thing. It's fake, but it's kind of a cute way for him to like create that narration and this like layered story where the author's breaking the fourth wall. So I thought it was cute how they kind of shift that over between the grandfather and the son reading. So you notice it kind of keeps the story light. So when the situation gets overly intense, you know, you'll see that interruption come through. Like she does not die Mm at this moment. And then Abbott is like clutching the the bedspread and he's like, oh, okay. You know, so it, it makes it more palatable for more audiences, maybe smaller kids. You're not like riding through these really intense, scary moments or moments that are like, too romantic. It, it kind of dials it back and makes it a little bit more palatable. So I thought it was cute and it eases up the intensity of the story.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it honors the fact that it's a book first. You know, it kind of pulls you back into that world and watching the grandfather read it to his son. And I love kind of how we're joking around about previous technology. You know, he's like, back in the day we had books, like we didn't have television. This is how we entertained ourselves. So I think it's really charming the way that they were able to to work that in.
1: Yeah. Peter Falk's reassurance. I, I like his voice. He just has a very unique voice and the interruptions of, yeah, don't worry. Or, or even the antagonism in the end where it's like, ah, it's a kissing scene and the grandsons come around fully. I, I like having a story read to me. I'm an adult and I still kind of like that sense of, Somebody sitting down with opening a book, there's something very just tactile about it, and just reading the book, even though we don't get that all the way. So yeah, and the grandson's outrage too, of you're telling this story wrong, you got it wrong, read it right, okay. and just the frustration there of this character can't die, you got it wrong. Get it right. (laughs) Yes, yes. Fred Savage he does a good job of being an obnoxious kid. I'm I'm notoriously difficult on children in films. He does his job here. He's be a snotty little brat that gets over the kissing. It's like, killed by pirates, that's good.
2: (laughs) You see, like, at the beginning when he's sick and the mom comes in and she's like, Grandpa's here. And he's like, oh, I don't want to talk to him. But by Mm -hmm. the end, he's like, do you think you could come back tomorrow and read it again? So you Mm kind of see, like, the, you know, his grandfather's cool now. It's like a little arc. Yeah. Yeah, So there's, like, that little outside story, too, which is nice.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The bond between them and that final as you wish Yes. I think the first time I saw it, I was like, oh, is he kind of reading a story about himself? Like, is this his love story? I think that's probably a bridge too far, but I don't know.
2: I listened to this podcast one time. I can't remember where it was, but someone was talking about how you feel about your children. And this is coming from someone who doesn't have children talking to two people who do. But it was like this, you know, the progression of your life, having a child and they grow up. And you almost have this like you feel like you have this unrequited love for your children and you're always pining for them when they're gone and you're Mm -hmm. always thinking about them. And they may not be thinking about you in the same way, you know, and, you know, you could think about the grandfather just, you know, wanting to have that relationship with his son and or grandson and reaching out. And, you know, grandson really wasn't thinking of his grandfather in that way at all, but they found a connection. Oh, yeah, I love
0: that.
1: Yeah. Call your grandparents, kids. I know it like, <laughs> won't be around forever, and that's a special relationship. It really is. Yeah, but, and the theme of this movie, like they really stress true love. Uh, it's really helped. I thought this was cool. Carrie Ellis and Robin Wright—they're actually smitten with each other. Carrie Ellis says Robin Wright was distracting. He couldn't really focus on the set while they were filming because he was just so taken with She's
2: her. She's gorgeous.
0: They both are, honestly. Yeah. They're both yeah. very attractive and, and <laughs> cute and they look good together.
1: Yeah, yeah. They they fit. The casting on this all around is just it's perfection. But I don't think I would call this a romance film. How do you nail something like The Princess Bride down? Like if you were to describe it to someone that has never seen this movie, what are you doing with it? What what bucket are you putting the princess bride into or buckets
2: comedy or dramedy, maybe, but it's so lighthearted.
0: It is so lighthearted, but I feel, I don't know. I'm reluctant to not take romance out of it because true love is almost this like character in and of itself. That's like this silent character that just kind of weaves itself throughout the movie. And you have, Everybody seems to have a different relationship with true love and a different take on it. You know, of course, Wesley and and Buttercup tend to, particularly Wesley, seem like true love is like their north star. And then you have other people who are a little bit more jaded, like the Sicilian the Sicilian yes and then the I'm trying to
2: miracle max
0: yeah thank you I was like I'm trying to think of his character he's like I'm
2: here for you true true love
0: is great but yeah have you ever had a mutton um, Uh, mlp
2: mutton (laughs) lettuce tomato nice and
0: lean nice and
2: perky (laughs) so
0: I mean everybody and then of course like Humperdinck and um and the six-fingered man they're kind of like the the hyperbolic opposites of that but I just think the way that they talk about true love it's it's so palpable that I think you can't really take romance out of the picture. But it is a lot more. I, I would agree.
2: The um I, I, I know Rob Reiner was the director and I love him a lot. I think he was very talented. Um, But the just the little dialogue quips that are throughout the movie are so funny and they're so good. And as I got older, you know, like watching it again, there's no like off-color jokes or anything. But there's like jokes that I did not really – Get as a kid,
0: like the one about breasts. That one threw flew right yeah. over my. Even at eighteen, that like flew right over my. With a
2: shortage of perfect breasts, <laughs> of it would be a shame to destroy <laughs> to, to yours. Destroy you.
1: <laughs> yeah, I And mean, he's right. He's right. Yeah, yeah. it. Yeah, true love, uh, Lizzie. You're right. I, I think true love is its own character here. Uh, it's, it's what's guiding Buttercup. It's giving her confidence with Humperdink. She's. She keeps annoyingly saying, and I kind of like Humperdinck rolling his eyes every time. It's like, it's true love. He'll be here. And Humperdinck is barely holding back. I killed him. Like He's dead. He's never coming back. He's never coming for you, whatever. And just every single day, it's true love. He's coming back. Mm-hmm. It, it is. It's what saves him literally from being mostly dead. And I, I do like the book that says the the best thing is cough drops. Instead of the MLT, we get uh, cough drops. So <laughs> I, I like the mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich.
2: Yes. the I, I mean, I think um, the the giant also has great love for the the Spaniard, you know, yes. um, Inigo, and he saves him.
0: It's like a friendship. So, guy. you know, after they all
2: get defeated by the dread pirate Roberts and the mm-hmm. Sicilians dead, and he was kind of the brains of the operation. An unkind one, but still the brains. And so Inigo, and there's tons of backstory in the book, obviously, but Inigo has a drinking problem, which I think you pick up on pretty well in the, in the movie, but there's a lot about it in the book and, and the giant comes to find him and, and, you know, nurses him back to health, you know, gets him sober again and helps him refocus and, you know, Fezzik the giant was looking for him, you know, he, you know. So, there's different kinds of love yeah. in this story. That, that is a
1: great scene when he's sobering him up and he just but, takes him by he's the head. him in the. Yes, just. Yes. Uh, That's what so I assume cool. is hot and cold water, but yeah.
2: yeah. Probably getting him to clean it out of his pores or something. I don't know. I hope no one ever does that. Yeah, to it's,
0: like, <laughs> like the sword it's like the swirly almost. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and someone like Andre the Giant, he's palming you like a basketball. It's It's just. He could take your entire head in his hand. He's just a massive individual. There are pictures of him holding a beer can, and it just looks like a child's toy in his hand. My, just, my
2: dad said he uh, met him once at a bar, and he they were having drinks, and he had one of those like full-size beer steins, that and his hand was wrapped around it, And my dad said, you could not see the beer stein at all because yeah. his hand was so big.
1: Yeah, massive individual. There are stories of him passing out in hotels, like in the hallway, and no one could move him, so they just put a blanket (laughs) over.
2: Unfortunately, by by the time they filmed this movie, I can't remember I heard this, but um, he had hurt himself so much being like a wrestling star, and his back was shot. And so at the end, you know, when he catches Robin Wright, um, they actually put like lines on her and like gently – Dropped Aww. her down, even though she was like, I think they said she was like maybe 110 pounds, like she's tiny. But he couldn't catch her, like physically. His body was so wrecked by then, Aww. you know. And I don't, I don't think he lived much longer after this movie. But so um sad. yeah, they had to, they had to do a little bit of movie magic on that one so he could catch her.
0: Such yeah, a delicate he... little fall, like the way she's. Like... <laughs> <laughs> and all of her robes are yes. billowing <laughs> <Yes>. gently. <laughs> it's
1: a very nice scene. Yeah, he. You're right. He was in a lot of pain. He was driven around on an ATV. Uh, he kept trying to convince Cary Ellis to do it, and Cary Ellis kept turning him down. And then the one time he did, was wrecked. He he wrecked and he broke his foot, which actually makes it into the movie. So he he like bent his toe enough that it broke, and you see him kind of hopping into the fire swamp. That's why he sat down and starts taking off his boot when he when she meets. Falls under the quicksand. Yeah. Uh, yeah well when he meets Buttercup right before they fall down the hill like before she shoves him he takes off his boot and everything but yeah the fire swamp right before the quicksand he's got a little limp he's got a hitch in his giddy up and that is from listening to Andre the Giant <laughs> but yeah he's, he's in bad shape they used I think they used braces and things like that because he couldn't even do the fight scene oh. great great guy though uh he's everyone has a fun story. We've been to a Princess Bride panel and just everyone gushes about Andre and how nice nice for him he says this is the first movie where people treated him normally like they treated yeah. him like an actor so i I love that for him and we've we've talked about it a little bit already, but I'll just get into my question. We've got Wesley and Buttercup and they're great characters on their their own and we can talk about that. But I, the supporting cast, I feel like, is what really makes this movie. It takes it from good to great. Do you all have a favorite character? Like, What what characters are the ones that stick out to you the most and why?
2: I I love Miracle Max and his wife, Valerie. So his wife, Valerie, is <laughs> by Carol Kane, who's in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. And if you haven't watched that show, it's hilarious. No. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: that's, liar. that's it. That's it. get away,
2: witch! I'm not a <laughs> witch, I'm your wife!
1: Her that's just, what
2: she said, I don't think I want to be that anymore!
1: Her just following him around, screaming,
2: Humperdinck! Humperdinck!
1: Humperdinck! <laughs> funny. <laughs> She's fantastic.
2: Yeah, so that, that pair for me, just incredible scene. They're so funny. I love it.
0: I love Wallace, Sean. I just feel like he is, he's perfection. I think if you were to tell me to cast, like, if described to me the sicilian and then i were to cast him in the movie i don't think that he would have been the person that my mind would have gone towards but nonetheless he is perfection like he just does it so perfectly he's so memorable
2: he's got an amazing voice for voice, stuff yes. like
0: it's just perfection because he's not scared particularly scary or tough looking but he's does have a sliminess to him that really works and yields itself to the character
2: and arrogance that he does very well. Yes. yes. But
0: yes. I think one thing about this movie too, is that it's also really self-aware, you know, it is a fairy tale and it's, you know, the there's some parts that are intended to be earnest, but a lot of it also is kind of almost in the same vein that we did with Shrek where it's kind of a self-aware fairy tale. And so I think that there's a comedic element that Wallace Shawn brings to the, to the table as well with just being really over the top and eccentric that also just, I mean, that scene with him in the cups, it's just, it's so memorable. Have you yes.
2: ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, <laughs> Socrates? Morons. Morons. Morons.
1: <laughs> he, he is, he's fantastic. And I, I hate how much he, he doubted himself for that role. So he understood whether this is true or not, I couldn't find it, but he thought Danny DeVito was the first choice. And so he spent this entire movie thinking he was going to get fired, and that they were still trying to get Danny DeVito. And so he's extremely nervous. Uh, co-star uh, Carrie Elwes said he was sweating during that battle of wits scene, which it doesn't really show. Maybe I, that nervous energy works in his favor, I think. Yeah. And Rob Reiner had to step in and say, "You didn't get this. Doesn't have anything to do with you being." American and not Sicilian he said Vicini's voice is your voice in the book so he kind of gave him a little reassurance but yeah he's I love Wallace Shawn we covered him in my d- dinner with Andre like that was yeah. the sole reason I picked that movie and it's its made worse by just standing next to Andre the Giant he makes tall men very very small but you've got a little tiny Wallace Shawn yeah, yeah. Who is bossing him around, and Fezzik just takes it. Which, by the way, that that was almost Arnold Schwarzenegger. They wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 70s, and by the time the 80s hit, Schwarzenegger was way too expensive, but that was the first choice.
0: He wasn't sweet you... enough. I don't think he would have been able to do it. Andre the Giant had this like gentle giant, quite literally a gentle giant, where I feel like Arnold Schwarzenegger, it doesn't... I don't feel like he has the humility to pull it off.
1: Oh, somebody hasn't seen Kindergarten Cop.
0: I sure have <laughs> <laughs> jingle all the way in some of his other movies, but I just I think uh, I don't know. I'm I could be completely wrong. I just don't think he has. He's the just not as
2: sweet. Yeah. Yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the interesting thing about those three characters the the Sicilian, um, the Spaniard, and the the giant. They all kind of have these three vices that are, like, holding them back. Zinnius is obviously his arrogance.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, he doesn't overcome it, and he dies. Inigo ha- is suffering from obsession, and he's freed at the end. He lives, That's cool. su- surprisingly, because he got stabbed in the gut. Yes. But. And, and Fezzik, he just demonstrates just an too much humility, like a lack of confidence yes. in himself and maybe thinking for himself a little bit. And so you know, at, you know, he, at the end, you know, he was like, Hey, I saw all these horses and I thought, you know, probably going to need these, you know, four of us, if we get the lady, (laughs) hello lady. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, he's kind of overcoming that at the end.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You know, and he,
2: he like took some initiative and, and did something. So I just thought that was fun to see like two of them overcome maybe some of their challenges and the one who didn't, uh, didn't like it. So,
1: Yeah. He gets to be rated early on. Vicini's like, am I going mad, or did the word think escape your lips? So yeah, he is—he's highly discouraging. Thinking we've highlighted the the two, but Mandy Patinkin says this is his favorite role, oh, and yeah. he's he's got a ton of roles, but Anigo Montoya—he's so compelling. Like you, you believe him instantly. As you fall in love with the whole rope scene yes. of just the banter back and forth between Wesley and Anigo, of this is much harder than it looks. Can you, can you throw me a rope? And finally we get that moment of, I swear on the soul of my father, Domingo Montoya, you shall reach the tops alive. It's like, yeah. throw me the rope. I think it from that point, we we're engaged with him. Like, okay, this is a, both him and Fezzik are sporting. They, they, Fezzik misses with the rock. He even comments to Vecini of this doesn't seem very fair. So we we get this sense of fairness and justice in them. And, and Ego keeps saying, I don't want to kill you. I very well, I don't want to die. <laughs> or it'd be a shame to die. And to get that final scene of revenge against the Count, that is fantastic. You get the repeated... Hello, my name is Anigo Montoya. Over and over and over, and you just hear, "Stop saying that," and it becomes more and more powerful. That's yeah. I love everything about his character. It's just so fun.
0: He is amazing. He's a, he's a man of honor. Yeah, I agree. That yeah.
2: dedicated to his craft.
0: Yes, you really respect him, and I like how he, when he gets to the top, um, when Wesley gets to the top, he's like, "I'll let you rest." Like, yes, he's like a true gentleman, and I. I agree. It's very you. You really do become attached to him after that because you just realize that there's so much more than meets the eye to him.
2: Their their duel kind of reminded me of um like chess, like the queen's gambit. Mm-hmm. When we we're watching that, like because he talks about, oh, you're using the so and so's defense against me. Yes. Well, where this is a because of the uneven terrain, you know, he like knows the the not he has the knowledge of classic fencing and stuff. And and there's like a deep dive in the book on his background and and how much he studied and became a master and how much that mattered to him because he had one single goal in life and it was to avenge his father's death and kill the six-fingered man. And so he became such a master of the sword for this one end.
0: I like it. They should have made a sequel because at the very end when he's like, you know, I don't know what to do. I've de- dedicated so much of my life to revenge.
2: I've been in the revenge business for so long. Yes, yes.
0: And he's like, you know, I've ever thought about uh, being a pirate. You'd make a great Dreadful Roberts. And I'm like, that's a movie I would watch is because like he kind of gets a little intrigued about it. And I would have I would have watched a spinoff Inigo movies.
2: as the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yes.
0: I think he would have been so good. I, people would have bought tickets for that for sure.
2: The Dread Pirate Roberts is so funny to me. I work in I'm I manage marketing for a small business and The power of branding with the Dread Pirate Roberts is so, (laughs) so strong. You know, you have to create this air of authority and feet and strike fear into the hearts of your crew and everyone that you're going to pillage. And that image is everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and it doesn't matter if you are the Dread Pirate Roberts or the next guy is the Dread Pirate Roberts. As long as you are that scary threat, you know, yeah, you get what you want. So that was fun. (laughs)
1: <laughs> we were like three pirates removed from Dread Pirate Roberts, at least when he's recounting the story. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember what the last one's name was, but yeah, that's that is a fun twist. Of oh, okay, yeah, I took over the role, but uh, the last guy he wasn't Dread Pirate Roberts either. <laughs> we get new crew, everyone's happy. I would I see an Inigo Montoya movie with Dread Pirate Roberts? You would, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, would. I would. I would. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think maybe
2: Patinkin, I know he has like a, a rule that he doesn't play a character for too long. Um, so I don't know that he would ever be enticed to do that again. Um, he was in a show called Dead Like Me. That was super good. So if you ever get a chance to watch it, first two seasons were incredible. But they had to like end it early because he was a central figure in that show. And he was like, I don't want to play this role for longer. And I think he he prefers to bounce because I guess he was worried about getting typecast or something.
1: Yeah, I mean do what you want. Uh, if you don't want to be tied down to something, play interesting characters. Christopher Walken does insane things every other day. He <laughs> does. Their, their fight the uh, it's called the greatest sword fight in modern times. I I like how into it Carrie Elwes and Manage Patinkin got and uh, Leah mentioned that they're calling out these forms. They're the real forms and they trained and trained and studied and studying. They watched all this choreography and what they did was only about a minute long initially. And Rob Reiner was super underwhelmed and he said, please go back to the drawing board. Try again. So what we get in the final film is actually the two actors other than the one like flipping scene that Wesley Mm -hmm. does on the bar There's, it's three minutes and 10 seconds. And so they went back and they watched all these swashbuckling movies for inspiration. The, the guys that worked on uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars films, it's Peter Diamond and Bob Anderson. So they helped coach them every spare moment they spent. They put their hearts into that scene. I don't, I don't know of too many sword fighting scenes short of like pirates of the Caribbean that I would conjure up. It is listed as the greatest modern sword fight scene, but it's fun. I, I like everything about it. It, I'm more impressed that they both managed to do it and it wasn't any, didn't just bring in professional fencers or something like that.
0: Right.
2: For sure. It's, it's fun too because it's kind of a character relationship progression because they, it's almost not even an adversarial encounter. It's like they're building a respect for each other. The more they like fight with each other, yeah. the more they're like, oh, snap, you're really good. Right. And then, why you know, are you he's like, why are you smiling? And he's like, well, I'm not left-handed. And then he goes, ah. oh, well, neither am I. And they both switch to their <laughs> dominant hand and they're like, <laughs> they're both like excited that yeah. the other was doing that. And you know, when he knocks him out, he says, I would, know he's like just kill me quickly and he said i'd sooner destroy a stained glass but as i can't have you following me he knocks him out you know so there's they like build this respect instead of like you know an enemy relationship which is
0: fun yeah it is really cool
1: yeah it's i don't think an ego is ever really presented as a villain him and physic are just they're along for the ride. Vicini's clearly the bad guy here. He's like, "I'll kill the princess myself if I have to." He uh, sets,
2: her henchman, yeah,
1: he sets up this war, which do we do have the conflict between Gilder and florin is Is that actually compelling to anyone, or is this just more of a mechanism to set up everything else to get us from point A to point b
2: so it Humperdink orchestrated that i don't know if it's super clear in the movie but humperdinck obviously does not care about buttercup he picked a very beautiful woman that would be magnetic for his subjects um and he orchestrates a fake conflict with gilder because she's disposable to him so she's just a pawn for him and in, in some kind of land battle or whatever so it was more a political move yeah never what is it Never get into a land war in Asia.
0: Yes. Yeah, I don't care so much about the conflict that's happening. I kind of agree that um, they really give you minimal information about it. So I think, therefore, you're not so concerned. I think, if anything, in the movie, it's almost just a mechanism to...
2: It's a plot point.
0: Yeah, it's like a plot point to just further show you how evil Humperdinck is. And give an excuse for how she... Yes.
1: Goes through this whole adventure. Yes, for sure. Yeah. It's one of the weaker things. It's like, okay, uh, yeah, it's there. Humperdinck could probably have different reasons for being evil. I I haven't read the book like Leo, but I do like Gilder and Florin are initially at war in the book because Humperdinck uh, was going to be married to a bride from Gilder who's very beautiful, but the wind blows off her wig and she's bald. And so he rejects her and then they go to war. Over, over a spurned bride. So I, I think that's kind of fun. Here, it's just like okay, Vizini cuts off the cloth and says, "Oh, this is Gilder cloth. We will, uh, we'll blame them and then get away with it." It's it's a mechanism. But Humperdinck himself, he's fun regardless of why he's doing this. He's our baddie, and he's a very good weasel. Do you? Do you like a cowardly bad guy, or are you more a fan of Count Rugen, who's our six-fingered man?
0: Can I have both?
2: Yeah, I mean, we got both. <laughs> we got both yeah. for this movie. Yeah. So
1: you've got the brains and you've got the muscle. Yeah,
0: I think for this movie, so I'm. I draw can't help but draw a parallel. To another Carrie Elwes movie that's also set in medieval times that I love, The Robin Hood Men in <laughs> tights Yes. It's like one of my favorite, favorite movies. <laughs> Not that, talk about a movie that I had no choice to watch. That was a movie that I grew up <laughs> watching. And, um, but looking, I think when you're talking about a movie that has satirical elements to it, I enjoy a cowardly bad guy because it just kind of adds to the camp. You know, Austin Powers wouldn't be Austin Powers without Dr. Evil. You know, it really just, like, yields itself to the silliness of the movie to have this bad guy that's just kind of a worm of a person. And I think about in Robin Hood Men in Tights, you have, like, King John. (laughs) Like, he honestly has some of the best lines. I think they could have made Humperdinck sillier because of the fact that you have the Count. Because to Leah's point, that kind of gives you that yin and yang so I'm here for, for a goofy villain.
1: Yeah, he, we do have an intimidating count. Christopher Guest, he is our Count Rugen, our six-fingered man. He's apparently stronger than he knows because Carrie always said during the f- scene in The Fire Swamp, just go ahead and hit me. It's fine. So Christopher Guest does hit him in the head with his fist, knocked him out, and filming had to be canceled. Production was shut down for a for a day, Cary went to the hospital. Had a laceration on top of his head. So, oh six fingered man is very, very strong. Uh, Chris Sarandon in real life he's he's a sweet guy that does great impressions. I, <laughs> I do like his weaseliness here. I I like a bad guy even even when he's tied up at the end and he's. I knew you were bluffing. Yeah. When, when Wesley falls over, we get that great scene of to the pain, and yes. his constant irritation with people—it's just fantastic with Wesley. It's like, yes, yes, get over. Then my tongue, then my ears. I, so I get the entitled. point. Yes, I get, I get the point. Yeah, yeah, that's an excellent point. Of he's he's in a hurry for everything. Uh, he's entitled to the throne. He's entitled to his duel. Just shut up. Get over get it over with, he, he hits a sweet spot for me. I like, I like a weasel villain. I don't like the unreasonably strong guys, but Count Rugen is intimidating.
2: I think the sweet thing about Count Rugen too, is seeing that total 180 in his behavior, you know, when he's on the other side of the sword and he's like, promise me, promise me anything, anything you want and more, you know, right? and he's, you know, promise me riches, whatever. And he's like, he's like simpering, you know, at that point, which is completely the opposite of how he is the rest of the movie.
1: Yeah. He gets a look in his eyes that just has a pleading without, without anything else being said. Yeah. He does say you can have money, you can have whatever you want. And then we get the line of, I want my father back, which is a very powerful line. We did talk about Miracle Max as well. I, I do have to throw this in because it seems like being on this set would be a blast. I'm sad for Fred Savage. We we saw this in recent years. He finally got to meet Carrie Elwes. They were never on set together. but They didn't Billy, do like a
2: press junket together or anything?
1: No, they never met. But wow. Billy Crystal was a menace as Miracle Max and people could not be on set, including our director, which is Rob Reiner he would leave the set during any of Billy Crystal's scenes because he, he couldn't stop laughing. And he said he he laughed to the point he was nauseated. Mandy Patinkin had the same reaction. He said he bruised his ribs laughing so much. And him actually laughing in the film, it makes it into the film when he says something like, a noble cause as in response to what did he call true love? It's like blue something. To
2: blave.
1: Yes, to too blave. Yes. And and yeah, when we work out true love, Manny Patink it's stifling a laugh when he's like a noble cause and just under his breath. So I I love that Billy Crystal is just terrorizing the cast by just being overwhelmingly funny. That's a lot of fun. We do have some recasts or at least, Alternate castings. We talked a little bit about Arnold Schwarzenegger. Richard Keel, who plays Jaws in the James Bond franchise. He was also considered. They really wanted someone that was a giant.
0: Oh, yeah. He would have been good.
1: I I like him. He can he can do gentle, but he's still very intimidating. Liam Neeson auditioned for Fezzik, but Rob Reiner said-
2: Hey, For Fezzik? <laughs> I thought you were going to say for Wesley.
1: Yeah. No, he for Fezzik. And Rob Reiner just scoffed and he goes, you're only 6'4". You're I had no idea Liam Neeson was that tall, but that's, I I cannot see it's that one.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah,
2: he's got Ichabod frame. Yeah, he
0: does. He doesn't have.
1: <laughs> yeah, there were. Me. I say funny. that
0: about my son all the time. He's very tall. And he's skinny. lanky. Yeah, he's, he's lanky. lanky. He's going to be like an Ichabod kid. <laughs> well, there you go. But yeah, I think, no, Liam Neeson, no. But, and also he, I mean, I've seen him do Goofy with animated voices and things. And you know, he was a great good cop, bad cop in the Lego movie. But I don't know if I've ever seen him really be, like, I, don't, I just don't know if he could do it. I think that he has an earnestness to him that I feel wouldn't yield You haven't itself. seen Taken?
1: <laughs> yeah i i believe he has a particular set of skills but i'm not intimidated by his <laughs> he would height
0: to do the being like so discouraged he'd be like Wait, what are you talking about what i'm thinking like i would so probably, he would probably
2: make a better sicilian yeah he, he could get over the accent but yes
0: i agree i think he would have been a better i mean wallace sean like is untouchable but i think yeah. he would have been better in that role than andre the giant
1: yeah yeah, I, I agree. They nailed it with Andre. They had a lot of football players also try out for Fezzik, but uh, no. Andre the Giant was the first choice. It, it was, hey, I don't think we can get Andre in the 70s, so we're going to go Arnold Schwarzenegger, and then couldn't get Schwarzenegger, and then it comes full circle, 80s. Arnold is very expensive. Go back and get Andre the Giant, which is fantastic. He's not a great actor. But it doesn't matter here at all. I think it just contributes to physics kind of Ernst wild nature. He's just he's a sweet soul. So having
2: I, the closed captioning on uh, helps. Sure pro tip, <laughs> pro tip, because uh, Billy Crystal did say he was he had trouble understanding Andre the Giant sometimes. Yeah. So the part where he, Andre the Giant knocks on the door and he opens the door and he says, "Like, get the Brute Squad," and he says something about the Brute Squad. He goes, "You are the Brute Squad." There was like a miscommunication because he couldn't understand Andre the Giant when he was talking.
1: Yeah, he was worried about that. So he'd walk around with headphones and they recorded all of his lines and they would just play over and over for him so he could memorize them. So that's, that's how he prepared for this role. We do have a ton of people for Buttercup. William Goldman said Carrie Fisher was his ideal choice. So she'd be Princess Leia and Princess Buttercup. Hmm. I I can see it, but I, I don't know that I want her in that many iconic things.
2: That doesn't jive with her vibe, I guess.
1: She's a little bit meaner. I,
0: I
2: agree. Yeah. She's, I she's agree. got too much of That's an edge, edge to her. best
0: way to put it is that she's got a mean streak in her. She would that... play
2: Princess Butter... She would have played Princess Buttercup in a parody.
1: Yeah, she's got the farm boy thing down. I mean, she kind of treats Luke as a farm boy as well. <laughs> We do have Uma Thurman. She auditioned for the role of Buttercup, but she was said to not have the classic princess look for the part. You can kind of see, she
2: it. is a stunning woman, but she is quite angular. I would say <laughs> she's a very sharp face. She, she is. She has um, not not in a bad way. No, it was,
0: but I, it serves her well later in her career. But I agree, there's a harshness to her. her yeah,
1: she's. She's distinct looking. We also have Courtney Cox, and I don't want her with blonde no. hair here. No. No. And it's the 80s, so we have to have Meg Ryan.
0: Huh. <laughs> I don't want really see that either. I mean, I guess in a sense, but I, I just think Robin Wright was perfect yeah. for it. I think, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm like I said earlier, I'm a big Labyrinth fan, so I could have maybe seen... Jennifer Connelly in it perhaps but I don't think Mm. that I because I think she kind of had that same kind of whimsical sweet element to her that just made Buttercup super likable Robin Wright I think just hits it out of the park it's really hard to envision anybody else
2: I don't know part of that is just because of how ingrained this movie is to me but yeah I just I cannot imagine any of those recasts very well
1: yeah, I have a hard time with with a lot of them, especially like Courtney Cox. I look at that. That's,
2: that's a, a hard no for me.
1: <laughs> okay. I like Courtney Cox. She's Gail Weathers. For me, yeah. she's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. We do have an alternate Wesley casting as well. So Superman himself, Christopher Reeve, was considered uh, for the role. I can see it.
2: I, I, could see I can see that one. I can too. get behind that one.
1: I like it. Carrie Owis is just... Fantastic though. He has this wit about him that I, I just love. And Christopher Guest actually took a demotion in this. Uh he is a baron in real life. He is the fifth Baron Hayden Guest of Soling in Essex in the peerage of the United Kingdom. What? So a, yes. <laughs> so Christopher he Christopher Guest. Yes, yes. So he is Count Rugen, but in actual real life, he is a baron. So, wow. so interesting connections there. We do have Rob Reiner as our director. He It took some work to get this movie. He'd been petitioning, and it wasn't until This is Spinal Tap was made, and this will come up again for our soundtrack, uh, that he was trusted. If you haven't seen This is Spinal Tap, it is brilliant. It's so much fun. It's quotable much like this movie. There will be things if you're watching the movie this one goes up to 11. Yeah. You'll just notice oh, I've heard that phrase before. I had no idea that's where this came from. But that's what got him this movie. He, Rob Reiner is just knocking it out of the park for several years. He has this Spinal Tap, The Sure Thing, Stand By Me, Princess Bride, When Harry Met Sally, Misery, and A Few Good Men. Those are the first eight years of directing. And he goes on for The American President, uh, The Story of Us. He honestly hasn't done a a ton lately that's worked out we've got the bucket list in 2007 shock and awe was his last one but man during the 80s early 90s he could do no wrong
2: well he he can rest now
1: yeah, yeah he's he's fine and uh this this movie like we've talked about it's set i don't know if there's a specific time line but medieval type fantasy world it's the kingdom of florin most of this actually does take place in England, so the our castle here it's Haddon Hall and that's a fortified country house, which good for that person if that's what a house looks like that's right. that's it's a like pretty, down,
2: Downton Abbey where it was filmed. people like actually live there. yes, it's crazy to me.
1: yeah it's like this is a normal house. this isn't actually a castle we we can't afford to rent out the castle and Billy Crystal for his wardrobe. He goes and gets his Saturday Night Live makeup artist, which is Peter Montagna, I'm going to mispronounce that, who creates Miracle Max. And what he did is he brought in a picture of his grandmother and and said, help me get this look. I don't recognize him as Billy Crystal. I mean, the voice is there. Yeah,
0: I had no idea that was Billy Crystal until probably the like a few years back when watching it. I mean, that flew right over my head. It's the first thing I ever saw with Billy Crystal in
1: it. <laughs> yeah. Not He's, city slickers.
0: He has such a recognizable voice that after, you know, I'm a huge when Harry met Sally fan and I just, I love him. I think I adore him. And of course my kids love monsters Inc. So I'm just, <laughs> his voice is so distinct. So after watching it later, you kind of takes you a minute because, like you it said, it tickles your
2: brain, and you're like, "Who yes, is that?" Yes, yes,
0: it's a perfect way of putting it. It tickles your brain because you cannot like decipher who it is just by it looks alone. So he he does a perfect job. It's like the best cameo.
1: He is so fast. I was trying to keep up with some of the quotes between Vicini and Miracle Max. You just can't. Everything comes out just so quickly. It's so impressive. It's a uh, very
2: witty script.
1: We do have a sad costume moment, too. Mel Smith, he plays our albino character, which is another great side character. He's just kind of this side evil character that enjoys his job, but he's allergic to the contact lens solution, and he's just in agony during every one of his scenes, and he has terrible memories of this movie. So he has never watched any of his scenes from The Princess Bride.
2: Seems like a, a lot of effort and pain to go through to not appreciate the final product.
0: Right? Yeah. Right. He said that almost would want you to like watch it to appreciate what you had to go through. I mean,
2: he did a great job.
1: Yeah, it's it's been almost forty years. I would think you could just say, everybody loves this. Please watch it. I'm sure he's watched around his scenes. Yeah. He's seen different things, but he he won't watch himself because those red contacts just irritated him so much. And he was just in so much pain.
2: He was like, nobody leaves the, <coughs> <coughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: mean, yeah. We that weird voice. And, we go through pain and agony for, you know, 10 months. And then we have to birth our, it just that's the difference between men and women. We stick it out. And then afterwards we're not like, wait, I can't
2: literally enjoy can't. the fruits of your labor.
0: Yes, yes. <laughs> You're like, I can't look at you. It's too much of a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> All the pain that you put me through. Uh,
1: there are probably it. days where that's true too. <laughs> so,
0: certainly, yes. But
2: that's when you say, I, "I brought you into this world. I can take can you, take out, of you it. out of it." Yeah, my yes. mom
0: used to say that to us, and we were particularly uh, rough with our, bless our heart. But we, um, yeah, that's that's I, disappointing. I feel bad that he has such horrible memories of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this. We've got what I love in any of these 80s movies. We don't have CGI. We we have to use practical effects. And one of the things that just never struck me until I was preparing for this podcast is the nightmare-inducing R-O-U-S-es.
2: Oh, God. Yeah.
1: They are played by individuals. So they found little people that are in these costumes and one of them was able to move very quickly one is kind of plodding, and rob reiner is in the background he's the one making all the growling and snarling noises he loses his voice while doing this okay well but, thanks
2: for the nightmares rob appreciate it yes,
1: yes. well it might, it might help you a little bit so the person that was supposed to get into a fight with wesley He was pulled over for drinking and driving the night before, and the officer refused to believe that this person was a stunt person or an actor in a movie, so he got thrown in jail. Uh And they're looking for their actor for this R.O.U.S., and they cannot find him anywhere because he's over in the drunk tank, just uh, sleeping it off, so... Delayed filming a little bit, but the rodents of unusual size, I I like them. And even if uh, Wesley doesn't believe they exist. Yeah,
2: I don't believe they exist and one jumps on him. Wow. Like the R-O-U-S is the rodents of unusual size. I don't know why, but that acronym is really funny.
1: It's amazing the little touches that they get right. Like why? why is it funny that... You abbreviate rodents of unusual size, but why don't you just this.
2: call them like giant rats? Like yes, well, yes. I, You know, it's just really yeah,
1: mutant, mutant possums, whatever they are, like just trundling across your screen. And I promised we would get back to it, but this is Spinal Tap. Got Mark Knopfler to score this film, and their agreement between Mark and Rob Reiner was, "I'll do this film." as long as you hide the hat from Spinal Tap somewhere in this film. So the the hat that Rob Reiner wore in This Is Spinal Tap occurs in this film. Did either of you catch where it is? No. It's in the grandson's bedroom. I
0: was just going to ask, is it oh. in the bedroom? Because I did notice like a bag of Cheetos. Oh, the vintage Cheeto bag?
2: Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. And, like
0: this like weird Santa picture. Yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah. The, the video
0: game he was playing. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes.
1: Yes. The the 80s Atari baseball game, which they had to pipe in the sounds. But it, it was a real game. Did you all like the soundtrack for The Princess Bride?
0: Yes.
2: Yeah. I'm neutral on it. I don't know.
0: It felt like a video game to me because you'd have – so in saying how Wesley is – talking with Humberdink and they're you know okay so I will I'll marry you and in exchange for Wesley's freedom and then Humberdink drives off it's like, <laughs> 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 like, it's like right, they do do that like, a lot. <laughs> just, like, it just reminds. It kind me. of
2: reminds me of like Monty Python and the Holy Grail, what yes. they're making yes. fun of. Yeah. Like they're making fun of that in Monty Python. Yes, kinda.
0: yes. It's just it's so campy and hilarious, and it. There, ha- I have to imagine that just because of the times, there had to have been some element of them that was taking that seriously. But, and if so, little did they know, just how much it's going to like yield itself to just this movie being so cherished because it's just so silly it's campy and, and, a little yes. whimsical yeah yes and because there's really not when there's dialogue there's not a lot of background music it's just really in those transitional moments and it's very mario very zelda it's just this like, kind of funny like <laughs> keyboard tone
2: yes <laughs> i've never thought about that
0: before. <laughs> ba, 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 da, ba. it's so funny
1: the the midi type things yeah
2: so. cheesy 80 movies soundtracks yes. though so.
1: yeah I, I, before getting this sheet i had no idea anything was worthy of a an academy award nomination i'm kind of with leah it, it's there i like it but there's nothing that sticks out to me this isn't pirates of the caribbean this isn't gladiator although that's the same composer so that's that's a little cheating it's not star wars it's not a john williams type score
2: yeah i don't, I don't really pay attention to soundtracks unless it's a musical for
1: the that's most part. fair that's fair it's it's not distracting we did it we just did ravenous and i told brian my my soundtrack or score was please make this stop they're <laughs> doing just irritating combination of music and this this certainly isn't distracting me and you know, and in the fun movie scene we
2: had really annoying music in it
1: what's mandy. that oh that's fair <laughs> i i love mandy though that's i know just,
2: you do and i i hate that movie <laughs>
1: that is an insane movie that person's but yes. name. Okay, I mean, that's that's fair. It's <laughs> that is not a movie that I would just go out without any other information on a person, and be like, You should watch this. That's what
2: someone did to me, they just said, Hey, let's watch this movie. And part okay. way through, I was like, Please stop making me watch this.
1: Yeah, that's that's a bad friend. Me.
2: If you love me, you'll let me go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You have to start with something like mildly insane. You cannot just jump into the deep end of Nicolas Cage with that. <sighs> okay. That's that's too much. Go go watch Renfield. That's like mid-insane Nicolas Cage. It's, anyway. on, it's
2: like on the spectrum. You have to like work your way in.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. It's like, okay, you if you like this
2: Nicolas Cage spectrum,
0: I'm not a Nicolas Cage. Fan. No, I can't stand it. Oh, I was there's a new movie with him out where he plays. I don't know if it's actually Nosferatu or if it's just some other kind of vampire. And I was. It so is. It's
1: Renfield. Oh, uh,
0: Yes. I was like, so here for the movie. And then when they revealed it, like, Nicholas Cage, I literally was in the theater and I was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, that's
2: fantastic. Nickelback on. <laughs> yes. Nick Cage is like the nickelback of actors. He
0: is the nickelback oh. of actors. Somewhere. Oh. Sorry, somewhere, Chad. <laughs> somewhere there's someone that likes him and appreciates him. <laughs>
1: I love Nicolas Cage. I will see all of his movies.
2: There's a guy named Chad Nickelback. I'm just saying. Right.
1: No, no, that's that is my worst enemy. That uh, I, I've had this conversation with Lizzie. My wife owns an appalling number of Nickelback CDs. Like, oh. I didn't even know they had this many CDs. And when we first got married, I'm digging through, I'm like, how many of these do you have?
2: Can you cite that on Grounds for Divorce? Too many Nickelback CDs? Ir- irreconcilable <laughs> differences. Yes. yes. Here's, I'm submitting evidence, Your Honor, for review, and it's five Nickelback CDs with your wife's name. <laughs> <laughs> that,
1: that would be a perfect way to ruin this movie. Uh, it's just insert something from <laughs> Chad Kroger.
0: Instead of the bomb. Instead of the bomb. Look at this <laughs> photograph.
1: Oh, oh. You know what? I I'm gonna go back to things that make me happy. Nicholas Cage and movie superlatives. Is that okay? Let's hand, do hand out some movie superlatives. MVP, director, actor, supporting actor. Leah, who are you putting as MVP?
2: Billy Crystal. For all wow. reasons previously cited. I was between him and Carol Kane, because they're both great and they play really well off of each other for those scenes. But like Miracle Max, unforgettable.
1: Have fun storming the castle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>, bye, boys.
0: <laughs>
1: wow. Wow. Power couple. Okay. Lizzie, who is your MVP?
0: I put Carrie Elwes. I just think he is, he's, he does funny so well because he's, he's dry and he's self-aware and i just i think overall like, he just knew how to deliver wesley in the perfect way he just he makes it so perfect for me
1: he is very 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 charming like he, he's got that smarmy smile mm-hmm. almost borderline arrogance to him like, yep yeah he's he's so much fun to watch i loved when he would pop up on psych so He plays a burglar and uh, torments the guys on Psych. So if you haven't seen that show, it's fantastic. It's a lot of fun. Uh, My MVP was Rob Reiner. I think when a movie succeeds at everything it's trying to do, it's really hard for me to not just cop out and say, hey, director, you did your job and you did it well. And every single detail of this movie even the little tiny things, like making the M.L.T. jokes, it's it's fun. There's nothing that is just glaringly wrong. So Rob Reiner is my MVP.
2: Sounds like he was he was part of the team pretty hands on. If he's yeah. voicing the R.O.U.S.s and talking uh, <laughs> okay. Chris uh, Wallace Sean down from his worries, so
0: yeah, for sure, yeah, very, it's very
2: present boss, which is nice.
1: I'm so sad that he was insecure about that role i mean it it kind of makes sense with while well, sean like i guess he's really partially those characters of a little bit insecure about himself but mm-hmm. don't be you're awesome
2: i mean i'm sure being an actor it's it's make neurotic making all the time you know yeah
1: i couldn't i have never watched anything with myself in it i won't listen to our podcasts most of the time so
2: I was going to say, when you. I listen for the edits, I'm like, Ugh.
0: Yeah, you either have like an inflated ego as an actor and you're just like, need to be knocked down a few pegs, or I think you're the complete opposite and kind of self-deprecating and constantly picking yourself apart. And I think it's probably pretty hard to find somebody who's right in the middle.
2: There's a yeah. whole like arc in 30 Rock about that, if you've ever seen it. Oh, yeah. Where she like, the writer of the show is always dealing with this actress that's like locks herself in her dressing room and throws these tantrums and yeah. whatever, and then Jenna. later she becomes the star of a show and she's like under the microscope and she starts like the roles are reversed essentially yes. and she starts freaking out. That's cool. And uh, there's a part she locks herself in the ho- in her dressing room and the actress is like, you know, I don't know why you guys never took the door off its hinges, <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that. You know, so yeah, I'm sure being just being under the microscope and every like way you portray yourself all the time is like being criticized or analyzed. Yeah, so, it's sure. I mean, it's got to be tough.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I and mean, he still when whenever he did the Prince Princess Bride panel, he's like, "I don't get why people like me. I don't get why people come to hear me talk." Like, because you're is awesome. He
2: so funny and he was so good in it.
0: Is.
1: Yeah.
2: I'm going to write him a letter.
0: How did you do it?
2: <laughs> you should. Wallace Sean,
0: keep us updated if he writes back. <laughs> yes. he what probably- is you progress, let's yeah. start there. <laughs>
1: You know what? He probably would. He told us he does not own a TV, yeah. so he's a he's a bit of an eccentric fellow, but he he seems to love the craft. So with that, best supporting actor, Leah,
2: um, Fred Savage, um, huh? he's a gr- he's I mean he's, <laughs> he's a great so, actor. Like he's so cute, as yes. a kid, you know, yeah. he was in what was the Little Monsters? Is that what that movie was called? Yes. Was like mm-hmm. Um. I mean, he was like the main character in that. So he did a good job. I thought he was great. He was like Fred Savage in that movie was all of us listening to that story. He
0: really was. Yeah. You know, And
2: he did just such a great job at like little kid outrage when the story wasn't going right or yeah. being afraid at the right moments. And yeah, I just thought he did a great job.
0: That's a good one. He's so cute. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He, he was my reactions as a 13, 14 year old. Why am I going to watch a movie called the princess bride with a bunch of other guys why why is this being presented to me by a male
2: this is a kissing book
1: yes yes exactly (laughs) i i do not want to see a romantic comedy at 13 14 so this was awesome and youth pastor in the grand grandfather role wisely knew best supporting actor lizzie
0: I put Wallace on here. I just, I think he, you know, he's only on screen for about 10 minutes or so. Yeah. But I think in doing that, he makes the, he completely elevates the movie for me.
1: So this was better than his role in My Dinner with Andre. Yes. <laughs> would it have been better if it was My Dinner with Andre the Giant?
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. That would have been an awesome parody. of that, Putting the two would- together. <laughs>
1: That would be a three hour movie because Andre the giant would not get those giant soliloquies out of the way quickly.
0: Yeah. I, I appreciated that now that movies in my list of films that I've seen, but I don't ever plan on.
2: <laughs> you can experience something once and that's fine. That's
0: right. Yeah, that's right. Like I appreciate you. I'm not, you know, I have no hard feelings, but I've, but I'm done. It's like reading
2: some of those books in high school and you're like, I did it. I read it. Yes, I'm glad I read it. Exactly. I will never read it again.
0: My the, the, Do you ever have to read the agony and the ecstasy? No. As a kid, my no. dad would, we would joke that the agony is reading the book and the ecstasy is it's finishing, finishing, it.
1: finishing it. it. Nice.
0: That was my dinner with Andre.
1: That's fair. That's fair. That was my dealer's choice, but I I kind of feel the same way. <laughs> i are
2: going to find every way we can hurt Chad's feelings today.
1: No, I I felt the same way. I watched it and I just kind of went, "Oh no!" and held my breath for that entire podcast. I knew, I knew it's a fun movie. Yeah, well, it was, uh,
0: it's not that bad. I'm teasing it, but I, I am being honest that I won't watch it again. But I <laughs> but it's really not that bad. I've seen way worse.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll submit it to someone. It's gonna be like the ring tape. Like we've we've yeah, seen yeah, it. Right. Somebody else will have to get this.
2: I will, it in seven within seven days, yeah. Or gonna, Wallace yes. Sean will haunt your dreams. You'll you
0: get a call from Andre that's like, You'll never guess where I've been up to for the past <laughs> 30
1: years. I was in Borneo with people that don't wear coats, yeah. <laughs> Completely derailed, but yeah, my Wallace Sean is my best supporting as well. I think Vicini's an iconic villain and it's just manic perfection. I love everything about it.
2: The way he, he like laughs before he keels over yes yes so good like so good
1: yeah it's everything about that scene is amazing hidden Jim and we have so many minor cast roles to appreciate leah who is your underappreciated minor caster element
2: i was between the albino and the guy that plays the very old king okay because- it's fantastic. So addled, the scene where she's walking, um, uh, Buttercup's walking with him, and she's like, I'm going to go commit suicide now. And he's like, That's nice, dear. And <laughs> she kisses him on the cheek, and he's like, Oh, she kissed me. <laughs> Just that grandfatherly,
1: won't yes. that be nice?
2: Yeah. Well, he has no idea what's going on.
1: <laughs> I love that.
0: I put Billy Crystal for this one because when, uh, as I said before, like upon watching it, I had no idea that that was actually Billy Crystal. And so to be able to figure that out was a huge treat for me. And that whole entire encounter with him and his wife, I, that can't be more than five minutes, but kind of in the same vein as Wallace Shawn Sean in, in his part in the movie. It's just, it it really does just make it so much better.
2: Genius. Perfection. Yes. No notes.
1: I I wonder how much of that was improv. I couldn't find I'm sure Billy Crystal did a ton of it just off the cuff.
2: I mean, if he had them rolling as much as they said he did, I bet he was he was playing around with the yeah. dialogue a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, he's he's one of a kind. I love that scene. For me, it is The Priest. His name's Peter Cook, and he goes by the impressive clergyman. And I um, say, priest. No, <laughs> yes. Everyone <laughs> ame- immediately goes to that. The uh, wav, twu wav. <laughs> and I it-
2: no one say that correctly in the movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's our theme. We get twu wav, but he's just, it's a ridiculous scene. And once again, we have ink of get on with it, get on with it. Man and wife, man and wife. And I've also got to throw out to the woman, and I couldn't find her name. She's just the one that shouts boo yes. all the time. Marjorie Mason. Apparently. Marjorie Mason. Okay. Excellent. Boo. Oh, she's good like too, Like the, yeah. the names
2: she calls her too. Yeah.
1: The queen of garbage. Yeah. <laughs> <Putrid> refuse. <laughs> Yeah, that is very much like Dennis the Peasant from Monty Python, where he's just (laughs) insulting King Arthur at the same time. Yeah, she is fantastic, and they get the close-up shot of her just railing against Buttercup.
2: Just a just a haggard, angry woman. (laughs)
1: Yes, (laughs) this is. I don't like this question for this episode, but Leah, you've teased us with a recast. Who are you recasting in this movie?
2: I'm gonna suck all the air out of the room with everything I planned. Do you really, do you really want to hear this?
1: I do. Yeah,
2: okay, let's go for it. Okay, so because this original version is untouchable, and I would not change anything about what was done in 1987, I was imagining if we somehow did a remake or some kind of retelling today. Love
0: okay, it. okay.
2: So Anya Taylor Joy as Buttercup.
0: Okay.
1: Okay.
2: Timothy Chalamet. (laughs) (laughs) Just throwing everyone. (laughs) I think he could rise to the occasion.
0: Yeah, I think he could.
2: Um, For Prince Humperdinck, I was between the guy that played Draco Malfoy, so Tom Felton.
0: Yes. Or the
2: guy that played Joffrey from Game of Thrones. I can't remember that kid's name. I think he quit acting, but. He
1: did. He did.
2: Just so slappable. You know yes. he's So slappable. Yeah,
0: that's probably why he quit.
2: Count Rugen, Tom Hiddleston,
0: perfect choice. Okay,
2: just just you know, big villain energy right there. Yes. Um, the Sicilian, Jonah Hill.
0: Jonah Hill, mm. stop it! That's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. I like that the
2: one. the giant. I mean, I don't know who else to pick. So it was the Rock. I think he's he's too confident. Yeah, but
0: you never know, though. He's he's got some chops. You know what? He's
2: getting he's getting pretty good yeah. at acting. So we're going to give him a chance. Um, the grandson, why don't we flip it, make it a granddaughter, Bella Ramsey, because, you know, I'm I'm deep in The Last of Us right now. Yep. OK. Um, the grandfather, if Mandy Patinkin would come back. Yeah. Or that would be fine. Jeff Goldblum.
0: Jeff, I love him. He is so quirky. I love him so much.
2: Okay. Miracle Max, Christopher Walken. Perfect. Uh, Valerie, Lily Tomlin.
0: Okay.
1: That would be fun. Yeah. 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 I think
0: that'd be funny.
2: Um, Ancient Booer, I thought would be fun. Give Helen Mirren a chance to just do something nasty.
0: Yes. She'd be so good at it. She's so proper all the time. I know.
1: Give her a chance
2: to spread her wings as the hag in the beginning. Um, and then the albino. I was feeling Matt Lucas. He was the host on Great British Bake Off. <laughs> He's not an albino, but he does have alopecia, so that might be why I thought of him. Maybe, but he does—he is kind of that vibe. So if you watch Great British Bake Off, he was the host with uh, Noel uh, Fielding. Yeah, that's his name until recently. So nice. That was that was my plan.
1: I would well, begrudgingly watch it. I I don't think you could make it a granddaughter though, because I think it has to be that boy energy of, I don't want this story to happen. I mean, I don't don't want kissing. Laura
2: Ramsey plays a good tomboy.
1: That's true.
0: She does. She was a good tomboy. I'm always reluctant whenever there's a new uh, reimagining of a movie, but regardless, it will never stop me from buying a ticket and seeing it. I'd I'd pay to see it.
2: I mean, or you flip it and Fred Savage is reading to his kid or he's not old enough for a grandkid, but- You know, it could be a continuing and just a reimagining because different people are hearing the story now. I like that. You know.
1: Yeah, I'm on board with that. That would be good. Work on it. Okay. You're a
2: fan. You're listening. (laughs) Yeah, Fred Savage. You know, John Lithgow. They all listen to the show. That's right.
1: (laughs) John Lithgow. Getting him in this movie would be great. He could be a fun king.
2: He would actually probably make a great Bazzini. Yes,
0: he would. I think he would.
1: Yeah, he can do that manic energy too. Lizzie, who are you recasting?
0: So I'm recasting Humperdinck. I think, I don't think, I think he could have been sillier. So I put Jeffrey Jones. I think that he was kind of, when I think of Jeffrey Jones in his prime, I think of him and Beetlejuice and Mm -hmm. Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I just, I think he would have been so funny in medieval clothes on a horse and just like that he's able to, he has that kind of same energy as, oh my gosh, his name is Joe Pesci. He has that kind of like same Joe Pesci energy (laughs) in the sense where he gets really angry, but he can't quite express what he wants to say. So it just kind of comes out with like big hand gestures and this like shaky tone to his voice. And I think, I don't know, I think that that would have been funny to add like a little extra camp to Humperdinck.
1: I do love Jeffrey Jones. He was just in the Ravenous episode that we did. So I was excited to see him. But is he handsome enough for Humperdinck? Uh,
0: I mean, no, not necessarily. Does but I don't really think he needs to be. I don't think that, I don't ever really, th- I mean, the actor that plays Humperdinck is certainly, you know, he's... He's attractive, but I don't think that that's necessarily something. He's he always got
2: like in a him. nasty scowl on his face. You yeah. know, he's more about, he's
0: just, ugh. yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Just, I didn't know if that was an element of Humperdinck If like, he's, a, he's handsome, but also like a complete scumbag, but maybe, maybe it's, it might be funnier if it's a Shrek type situation. Yeah. I
0: think <laughs> it would be like, it just kind of almost yields itself to him being like all the more undesirable.
1: Okay. Leah did mention one of my recasts. I'm going to completely waste Helen Mirren's time, too. I, Anne Dyson is playing the Queen here. The Queen has no role. I don't want to recast anyone in this movie, but fine, if I have to. Helen Mirren, go play the Queen. Have Just Nolan background names? acting.
2: She'd be great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Completely waste your time. There you go, Russell. My <laughs> criteria is met. Best shot, Leah?
2: I guess I have to say the, the fight scene. Mm. Uh, the, I mean, the sword fight scene. Yeah. yeah. They put a lot of work into that. It was very exciting. And, it, and the dialogue while they were doing it was great. So just great
1: work. Yeah, you have the uphill fencing. The mm-hmm. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. Lizzie?
0: I like their little silhouettes in the very beginning when they're, you know, he's still a farm boy. And they fall in love and they have this big embrace and it's just like their little silhouettes in the sunset. I think that's just such a sweet shot. And that was something that I remember sticking out to me as a kid and kid being 18, uh, but (laughs) I uh, still feels so long ago, but that was also like the prime point in my life where I appreciated romance. And so I I loved that scene.
1: Oh, that's a, that's criticism to the husband. You've now reached the point where you. It's like romance is dead.
0: No, I appreciate romance. That was just the time where I was longing for it, I suppose. I was not being, to clarify, I was in no way, shape, or form being romanced when I was (laughs) (laughs) 18. Okay.
1: All right. Good save. uh,
0: Aaron is a great romancer, but I think that was the time where I was watching those movies and just being like, oh, that'd be so nice. Like, I want someone to do that. That was kind of more. More the point. Yeah. I
2: mean, I think like part of this too is Wesley is just like the whole package. If you think about it Tra- totally. attractive,
0: mm-hmm.
2: accomplished. Yeah. Is super smart. He'll like, fill he's. up her buckets
0: with water. Yeah. carry them for her. I mean, that's uh, really easy
2: to sure. boss around, apparently. Yeah. Uh, everything yes. I want in a man.
0: i would say if i went up to aaron i was like aaron will you fetch me that picture and it's literally right in front of me well
2: he he did get really close to her and like you could interpret that as like being a little like passive aggressive (laughs) or intimidating i don't think that's like you don't take it in the movie but like that's probably how brent would do it he would walk up and grab it right in front of my face (laughs) and be like here you go miss broken arms like
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: yeah i uh i i definitely liked their their little romance in the beginning, for
1: sure there's no way i would pass that it's test that's true I, yeah yeah i sarah has not played those games with me but if she did i just feel like it's it's right there yeah get yeah. it yeah. you you get it romance is dead in our house <laughs> 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 i love my wife and now i've got to plan something for our anniversary
0: if she's yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would be the truest expression of love Nickel- on my part.
2: The best. It's love is sacrifice, Chad. <laughs> yes. Nickelback's greatest hits.
1: I hope that doesn't exist. I'm going to move on.
2: I mean, you go on Spotify. Spotify is the best of Nickelback. I I bet you a million dollars it's there. Tickles me. That is
0: really no,
1: funny. the best of Nickelback playlist is empty. sorry
2: Sarah we love you yes, we it's love you. <laughs>
1: it's an empty playlist it's a joke uh, best shot for me is the prayer scene for Inigo he is in the forest there's this nice beam of light in the background they are really kind of camping it up for this prayer scene and it was apparently really hard to shoot because where they were filming in England there were planes flying overhead and it kept interrupting the shot and he can't have that when he's praying to his dead father. I think it came out really nicely. And it's it's corny too, like guide my sword and he pokes the knot hole.
2: Yeah, but, but he, he pokes it and it, he just thinks he failed and then he slumps over on it. And that's what opens it up. So yeah. kind of nice.
1: Yeah, it's, it's nice to see that connection with his father. So best scene. Good luck. Leah, what's your favorite scene?
2: I have a couple and it's more centered around some of the quotes in this movie. Cause it's, I mean, it's an incredible quote, quote, incredibly quotable movie, but you know, the, <laughs> the part where Wesley knocks or like he chokes out the giant and the, he falls to the ground. And he says, I hope you sleep well and dream of large women. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or I hope you rest well and dream of large women. And the other one, uh, that I like is well earlier on when he's in front of the Spaniard and he's like, "Who are you?" And he goes, "Get used to disappointment." He's like, "I must," yes. know, you know. Yes. And uh, then you know when he's right before Buttercup figures out who he is. So this is all like within the same almost five minutes. Um, she talks about this love she had and and he kind of is needling her because he's salty that she moved on, you know. And she says, "You mock my pain." And he says, life is pain, highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something.
1: That's yes, just, that yeah, is yeah, that's a fantastic a beautiful, line.
2: Beautiful. Yeah.
1: The fight with Andre is a fun little wink to Andre the Giant because that was actually his finishing move. That was his wrestling finishing move was the oh, sleeper nice. hole. So he gets put out with that. And they also, Vicini makes a comment of, you can't trust people in mass. And at one point, Andre the Giant, wore a mask during his wrestling career. So they had a couple of fun little pokes at him for that. But yeah, those are, all those lines and all those scenes are just fantastic. I I don't think there's a wrong answer here.
2: No, you can pick anything in this
1: movie. Lizzie, what's your best scene?
0: It's really hard to pick just one, as we've just said. So I feel like the combined sequence where with the Sicilian and the poison, it like from that all the way to when Wesley and Buttercup are fighting, and she's like, "I died that day." When you could die was- too, for all I yes. like, uh, <laughs> And they're just like rolling down the hill. Like that whole—I don't—I don't know if you could combine all of that together and consider that just one big scene. But that whole entire sequence is just so funny. Like watching Wallace Shawn be like, "Well." I'm a clever man and a clever yeah, he man reasons out. just like completely goes like, so I couldn't trust it to be the cup in front of me and like just goes back and forth. And it's just, it's complete gold. He
2: says like, you truly have a dizzying
1: intellect. or
0: something. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah. His pure exhaustion by Vecini of are we done yet? Have you selected a cup? Mostly because he knows they're both poison. It doesn't matter, but yeah, the sheer overconfidence that's, That's my favorite scene. I like the battle of wits. It's just amazing. It makes me laugh every time. I have no idea how Wallace Shawn is able to just spit out everything that he does. It's like, okay, have you made your choice? I haven't yet started. Getting started, yeah. (laughs) Yes. He's just everything about that is amazing. Best wardrobe and makeup moment. Leah, I think I know where you're going to go.
2: Miracle Max. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who I guess he wanted to look like his grandma. So so I'll I'll never not think about that again.
0: Poor grandma.
1: (laughs) Well done, SNL cast. (laughs) Lizzie, who's your, what's your moment?
0: It's like a blink and you miss it scene, but it's the, you know, the grandpa's reading the part of the book where it's five years later and now Buttercup is promised to, Prince Humperdinck and she walks out of the castle, kind of is like presenting his new bride to be to his subjects, and she's wearing this really, really pretty dress and headpiece that's all gold and pearls. And I just, I think it's so pretty. I mean, even still to this day, like I feel like I get like all like like butterflies looking at it because I'm just like, that is a gown and that is a headpiece, and it's just it's gorgeous.
1: She had a couple of those kind of strange head pieces on. She has a couple of those marriage scenes, you know, the fake outs and then the real wedding.
0: They're all really pretty. Like all of her pieces are so gorgeous, but that one in particular with like the gold and pearls mixed together, I just think is so timeless. And that would, I would want that to be my outfit. if if (laughs) If you were a princess. If I was a princess. Yes.
1: All right. All right. That's great. I I went with Miracle Max, too. You can't get around it. The not knowing it's Billy Crystal outside the voice, he's just, he's great. And I'm sure his grandmother was very happy. So if she was around, it's like, oh, yeah. you. Hopefully he you know. didn't
0: tell her. <laughs> yeah. Kind of rude. <laughs> you know, this ugly hag of a man was inspired by you, your picture. <laughs>
1: Grandma. <laughs> Change one thing. Leah, what are you changing in this movie?
2: Um, every movie has a weaker plot point for me. They kind of deus ex machina, this Holocaust cloak. I don't know. <laughs> First of, of all, like, they they don't one. why it's called a Holocaust cloak whatsoever. Um, it's been a while since I read the book. I think it was probably more explained in the book, but he's just like, Oh, I've got this thing right here and it c- catches on fire. No problem. You know, I'm like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. great. Um, Max gave so it to me. Yeah. That was a little weak to me, but you know, that's nitpicky. You have to give some things up to meet an hour and a half movie yeah. length. So, you know what? I'll let it slide. But that yeah. was, that was my thing.
1: A convenient Holocaust Coke. Yep. <laughs> That fits.
2: The name of my next band. <laughs>
0: Lizzie? I always thought that Wesley should have had a better disguise when I mean, he was the dreadful pirate <laughs> robber. Everyone's
2: or- stupid. No one can
1: recognize <laughs> yes, Like Buttercup can't recognize
0: him. <laughs> yes. I'm like, how much do you really love him? Because it's kind of the same, like, I love, love, love Batman, but that's always kind of my... <laughs> Mark on Batman where you're like it's literally just his eyes are blacked out and he has a mask. And he like, talks he, like this. Yes, like you can see his nose and his mouth and like it, it's Bruce Wayne. Like you can clearly tell who that is. And if Aaron was walking around like that.
2: <laughs> or if I showed up with would. that mask on, would you be like, oh no, someone's robbing me. No, like- I'd just be like, Leo, I,
0: what's up? Like- <laughs> <laughs>
2: what a choice you made today.
0: <laughs> yeah, like- I mean, you look beautiful and everything, but that was a choice. That's, that's <laughs> like, a very
2: that's sweet a compliment.
0: But. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think I just there's no and he's not even hiding his voice, you know, when he talk talks about how he begged. Or at this point he's using his own story, but kind of in reverse, saying that he's like, Oh yeah, I remember your farm boy. And he said, all he said was, please. Please I have to And miss. this airhead's
2: just looking yeah. at him like, like how do
0: you not know? Like how are you not clocking him right now? So I, I think Maybe
2: that's like, why he was so mad. He was like, How do you not know what <laughs> I look like? <laughs> so
0: you needed a better disguise.
2: What kind of true love is this?
1: Yeah. I'm gonna dismiss that as just trauma because she's, she's like, He's dead. I've moved I'm trying to move on. It's been five years. i told gonna... he's dead. That's that's how I'm gonna write it out because I I look at this and I'm going to twist the quote, but there's a shortage of perfect movies in this world. It would be a pity to change this one. Yes.
2: Yes. yes. It's
1: It's been 200 episodes. I have never refused to answer this question. I'm punting this one. I am changing nothing. Nothing I would do would make this movie better.
2: This is a masterpiece. It really is.
1: Best quote. Gosh, again. <laughs> Good luck. Leah?
2: I kind of... Got ahead of myself here and shared them all. Um, but I I think like my my absolute favorite is the life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. It's just, I mean, it's kind of sad, but it's yeah, food for thought. It is food for thought. Yeah.
1: I had that on my AIM profile for years and years.
2: Pro- oh my gosh, throwback.
1: <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> um, weirdly, so did I. Stop Very it! Nice. That's
0: so funny. Nice. and then i
2: had it you know in facebook we used to put all kinds of quotes and stuff in there yes i had that next to a quote from that 70s show where it's the one where they go streaking and he's like i'm gonna do something like right i hate the fuzz on my oh my butt <laughs> and fez goes well if you hate the fuzz on your butt just shave it off yeah. <laughs> so those two quotes were together
0: both equally funny. <laughs> yes. I mean, That was
1: a great moment when Red's trying to ask, Why did you pardon Nixon? Yeah.
0: That's a,
2: a pretty good show.
1: Yeah. Lizzie, what's your favorite quote?
0: So there's so many, truly. And I love how this movie was able to make me laugh so hard with just like such smart, smart humor. But I think for me, it was the, death cannot stop true love. All it can do is delay it for a while. Cause to me that, that is, Aww. it's a sweet quote. It is a really nice quote and that kind of becomes like more and more true for me, you know, as we get older and experience life. So I, I love that quote.
1: Oh, that's, see, now I've got to ruin it by not being serious, like two very <laughs> serious quotes, but I just love the banter. So at the very end with Vicini, no more rhymes now. I mean it. Anybody want to be it? And then we just hear, ah, from Vicini in frustration. Uh, that entire exchange where he's just trying to come up with rhymes with uh, Inigo. That's uh, great.
2: So stuff. in the book, Inigo would... Start to do these like rhyming games with the giant when Vizini w- had been picking on him and making him feel bad. So he would do that to like take his mind off of it.
1: Aww. That's cute. Yeah. I like that. I'm gonna have to go and read the book now. Like,
2: uh, if- I have like three copies. I can mail you one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Such high praise on your end of better than the movie, and we're about to find out what you think of that. So, Leo, we will start with you. Zero to five stars and half five- star think 5 could didn't even get it out five stars Lizzie?
0: for me i'm five stars as well i don't think i think we've already touched on why this movie is just it's untouchable it's a classic it's just there's a little bit of everything in it and i could quite literally finish this movie and then press play again oh yeah and just never get sick of it and to me that is such a a staple of R-
2: rewatchability like, yes. is a huge factor in the star rating for sure.
1: I agree. And I, I've tipped my hand too. It's five stars. I think it's a perfect film
2: we have I, a quorum th- on that. Yeah. I mean quorum on Shrek too. I think Shrek mm-hmm. got five stars yes. from
1: all this. There's more arguments of Shrek not being a perfect film, but I still love it. Uh, uh, this one, there's nothing I could change or should change that would improve it. I just think it's magic and I'm sitting there smiling. My wife she jumped in and she goes, You're watching the Princess Bride? We're Uh, watching the Princess Bride. And so so that was her movie night. She just keeps looking over at me and I'm like, What? It's so charming. (laughs) I have this big grin. I think she's more entertained that I may like it more than her. Like she she looks at this movie and just thinks okay, this is more, I don't know if she thinks it's more of a chick flick or what, but she looks over at me and I've got a big grin. Like, I'm just, I'm smitten with this movie. It's charming.
2: You got to repeat back what the grandfather says at the beginning. It's got everything. It's got revenge. It's got sword fighting. Yes.
0: I can appreciate though where she's coming from because traditionally you are into like Horror and movies. Evil Dead
1: Rise. That's yeah. a
0: deviation from this movie. So she's probably just like elated that you're into something that's sweet and innocent.
1: Yes, absolutely. No one got mutilated in this movie. Right. So. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't have made it better either. That is fantastic. And good luck to our next movie, which Lizzie is going to help me pick. So, Lizzie, it's time for some thrills, chills, and mystery. We have three supernatural mystery thrillers to choose from. Option number one, from 2001, Mulholland Drive. After a car wreck on the winding Mulholland Drive renders a woman amnesiac, she and a perky Hollywood hopeful search for clues and answers across Los Angeles in a twisting venture beyond dreams and reality. Option two, The X-Files from 1998. Mulder and Scully must fight the government in a conspiracy and find the truth about an alien colonization of Earth. Or option three, Mothman Prophecies from 2002. A reporter is drawn to a small West Virginia town to investigate a series of strange events, including psychic visions and the appearance of bizarre entities.
2: Before you pick, Chad, you're in West Virginia, right?
1: Yes. Well, I, I'm in Pittsburgh, but yeah, okay, I'm Pittsburgh from there. Now,
2: so you're from West Virginia. The Mothman prophecies was that like a real urban legend there?
1: Oh my goodness, it's a huge thing. There are statues. There's Mothman Day. but it's much, <laughs> it's much better than the movie because the movie actually features no Mothman.
2: You guys need more stuff to do out there. Anyway, right. I'm sorry. To interrupt. <laughs> That's fine.
0: I love. Mothman prophecies. I think it's a great movie. I also have seen X Files. It's wouldn't file it under as great as Mothman prophecies, but I'm going to have to go with Mahalan Drive. I've never seen it, so it's going to give me an opportunity to
1: check it out. Yeah, that that will be a new one for me too. So I'm excited for that, Leah. Thank you once again for rejoining us. This has been great. Keep sending us great movies. You can keep coming back. Keep picking this stuff.
2: I'm going to keep suggesting Ghostbusters until you let me do it. <laughs> uh, Russell
1: will Russell will never allow it unless he is on the podcast. Yes, Russell, we did have
2: we're going to do that movie together.
1: Yes. Yeah, that'll be an all hands on deck probably <laughs> type movie. There's a there are fights for those types of movies, but Thank you, Leah, and thank you all the lords, ladies, and knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you, so subscribe, rate, review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to us on YouTube. It's audio only, so if you're looking to see our beautiful faces. We have faces for radio. Subscribe. <laughs> Give us a like on Facebook, Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro. And finally, email us at retro movie roundtable at yahoo.com. So producing and providing this podcast is fun, but it is not free. So we invite you to support the show at Patreon page, patreon.com slash retro movie roundtable. Any contributions make our, us richer and will apparently make the show better better for you, the listeners. So as always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Lizzie.
0: Let's face it. You got to be a man to wear tights.